So by the time you're listening to this podcast, and hopefully my Wi-Fi is better for this episode, uh, yeah. um, I will be in Portugal for World Youth Day. We are taking 26 pilgrims from our diocese. That's so cool. My parish is the largest represented, even more than the Portuguese parish. This is what I love about it. We, we outgrow the <laughs> Portuguese parish in our diocese with young people going to World Youth Day in Portugal. So uh, we just got the other day our... So I don't know if I mentioned this, but like three weeks ago, we got an email. We had a charter bus booked. So I, we just booked everything ourselves. It was just cheaper than getting tour companies, which charge a lot sometimes. Yeah. Um, but um, the there was a... Uh, they emailed us saying uh, that they were canceling our charter. Just canceling it. Just They're canceling it for quote unquote unforeseen circumstances even though we already paid like six months ago it tells me that they probably got more money from someone else (laughs) Mm, maybe yeah that's my guess do they refund you uh apparently i'm hoping so the diocese kind of takes care of that stuff for me so you know i'm on the phone or not the i'm on the phone with the guy who's helping us on the background stuff logistics jamie who just had his first baby girl uh he's not coming because of that obviously Um, fair enough but then he, and then that was the other thing. And he had just, he had his kid like two weeks early. So, um, well, his wife had the kid, obviously, but you know, um, they had the kid two weeks early. And then, uh, so he wasn't able to help out as much anymore. I said, yeah, man, like seriously, go, go look after your baby. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, then, um, like trying to figure out buses and trains and everything for this whole thing, like took 10 hours of my time. And between that and some pair of stuff I had to buy, like my credit card was like burning a hole in my pocket. It was just like, <laughs> Um, but uh, we got it worked out, and then mm-hmm. like we we booked our train tickets to Porto, which is where the diocese we're in for days in the diocese. And then like two days later, we get the email, and I booked the tickets because I'm like, who knows what trains are going to be like when we get there and buses, and I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to book something, I don't want to get there and find out we can't get on anything. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't want to wait any longer because what if they start booking up faster and faster the closer we get? Anyways. Two days later, we get an email about where we're going for days in the diocese, the parish we're staying in or whatever. And it's like 45 minutes south of Porto, which we could have taken a train to. I'm mm. just like, I wish I knew this earlier. So we made it a yeah. lot easier and we could have gotten there faster. But there we go. Um, but that's part of the World Youth Day experience is chaos. It's entering into chaos, pure chaos for two weeks. I would rather die. Um, I'd rather walk through burning shards of glass. I would rather... Um, eat vegetables then go to another world youth day precisely for some of these reasons which one, one did you go like, to i went to as a seminarian i went to spain okay i was there too yeah yeah um uh this is before we knew each other oh yes um did you go to the seminarian uh, mass no oh, oh. no it was it was just then. a chaotic mess yep. and the idea of like first of all like i could never plan run or or book an overseas trip that is i am utterly incapable um the 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 neurons in my brain would not fire in a way to make that happen booking tickets as you know this is my specialty it is your superpower you are amazing at it so that's 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 beautiful and you are a gift to the church um me could not do it and then the idea of being like responsible for young people in europe it's like, I, I know, too much stress, too much anxiety. I would have a panic attack from the day I knew I was going until like three weeks after I got back to America. Uh, I have no desire to go to World Youth Day. If, if people like it, that's great. They can go. They can have fun and pray and be with popes and stuff. Um, but it is it is super, super not for Father Anthony. <laughs> and here's the thing, Just though. It's, no like, way. it's all like our diocese has a rule. You have to be 19 or older to go. I think that's, yeah, that's good. Which is great. Right. No high school students saying, "Oh gosh, no! Oh no, 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 no!" Yeah, because we had tons of high school students on oh, our no. trip, and it was just too horrifying. Many, too many horrifying. Like, safe environment issues. All this. Stuff. Oh my it's gosh! Just like, it's just all yeah. chaos. I said, "Absolutely not," and I, I'm appreciative of it because I would yeah. not, I wouldn't go if I, if we were honestly. Because like, actually, mm-hmm. some family said, "Oh, can I my 16 year old go?" I said, "No." What if we were chaperones? I said, "No," because no. then you're dealing with chaperones who also then sometimes may want to take over where they shouldn't be and stuff like right. this. Um, it gets to be a whole thing. And it changes the dynamic of the group. Honestly. That's also true. So I said, if you want to go, go as a family on your own. We're going to have a mass on the Thursday there at like the same. If, okay, I will throw this out. If you are a podcast listener and you're going to be mm-hmm. at World Youth Day on Thursday, the Thursday of World, the week, World Youth Day week, 
mm-hmm. having a mass at 2 p.m. at the shrine of St. Anthony of Lisbon. Because even though it is St. Anthony of Padua, he was born in Lisbon. Yes. And but because the God Portuguese <laughs> are insistent that he is St. Anthony of, of, of Lisbon. Then why did God deliver him out of that place and bring him to the motherland? It's because God loved him and did not want him to be Portuguese anymore. Yes. This is the great miracle of grace. But where did that God turn St. Anthony into an Italian? Lisbon, you know, like anyways, but, uh, um, but where he was, the, there's a church where he was born. So I forget the exact, that's pretty it's cool. like St. Anthony shrine, arriving at yeah. mass there at 2 PM on the Thursday. So if you want to come and say hi, that's a good place to come and say hi. We're going to have, so we're having all the families of the diocese coming as well. So we're gonna have about 50 people there, uh, cool. just for a mass for our diocese. But if you're, you know, if you're a listener and you're actually going to be there, and you get this in time, that might be the other thing. You may not get this in time. Who knows? Whoops is to say. I don't know. I, again, chaos. Chaos. Yeah, so I've got a feeling late. that that by the time this drops, You're right, this actually. will have already happened. You know what? Let me effort that quickly before so that we can save people the the stress. Nope. Nope. Nick's I'm, gonna I'm, keep that in. I oh that's fine. This is coming out this Friday, right? Last one's coming out this week, yes. Uh, <laughs> this makes no sense to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It by the time this drops. It will be Friday that week. So <laughs> ignore me. Maybe I'll run into you at World Youth Day. Who knows? Maybe you did run into someone at World Youth Day. Who knows? But uh, I am kind of looking forward to it, honestly. I think I'm looking forward to it more and more. Good. Um, I think it's going to be a good trip. Uh, and it's and then I get to go to Lyon for a week afterwards to France mm-hmm. with a priest friend of mine, Father John O'Brien. That's cool. So that'll yeah. be nice. And it'll just be – yeah, I'm, I am – Looking forward to doing something pilgrimage again. It's just been, I've been traveling a lot this this last whole, like the last year total, and uh-huh. it's getting a little tiring. Like, I, this is my second time in Europe in two months. <laughs> yeah, that's well, which is kind of crazy. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming back. Um, like, I was supposed to, I, I was thinking about taking the rest of my holidays in October or late September, early October, and realized A, a I couldn't find a replacement priest. B, um, we're doing our big our big parish retreat for our whole reorganization plan around charisms is October 15th. And I realized to leave before that is crazy. Yes. And also to actually have like an actual full month where I'm in my parish. That's probably good. I haven't had that all year. <laughs> so September and October, I will be here the entire time. Yeah. Harrison, how many times have you said, oh, there's too much stuff going on in the parish. I'm too busy. And it's like, you're gone. <laughs> because of school stuff, which is way behind. School but, stuff. You know, it's true. It's anyways, true. We'll get true. there. You know, we have our fun. It'll be a good time. It's a pilgrimage, which means it's suffering. And you know what else is suffering? Listening to us here on Clerically Speaking, I am Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. Um, uh, speaking of time off, a few weeks ago, I went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two, I think there's two kinds of vacation people. There are vacation people who like want to go on an adventure, uh, want to go like hiking or see sights or go to like a Disney World kind of thing, or the other kind of people are people who go on vacation to do nothing. Right. And I am that person. I go on a you vacation. You are a man to of leisure. Nothing. You are a man. A of man leisure. of super leisure. Super hardcore, no holds barred leisure. And this is what we did. We went to Hilton Head Island, which um, I guess other people don't know where that is, but it's like. Everyone from Pittsburgh has gone there before. Little island in like, I don't know, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. I don't know. I just got in the car and I arrived there. Um, and we did nothing as a family. It was my immediate family, my two brothers, mom, dad, um, my sister-in-law. And of course, the great producer Indiana was there. Of course. And she was the highlight of the trip. This little tiny mm-hmm. 20-month-year-old baby girl. She sadly did get like sick for two days. Mm-hmm. So it was, was kind of rough. You know, because she's a baby. Um, but once we got some baby drugs into her, she would perk up a little bit. Uh, but she was the best. There's something very grounding about um, throwing your niece up and down in the pool. Like, mm-hmm. like all like the worries of like priesthood and all the anxieties kind of fade away mm-hmm. when you got this giggly little girl that you have to take care of for yeah, a little bit. You know? This is this is the height of leisure, honestly. Yes. And it was like it was very grounding, like just to be brother uncle son um uh luckily my family gets along pretty well which is nice you know yeah. uh, in general we like each other uh, of course there's always you know tensions when family gets together but it was still it was great uh and the only like event we had each day was where we were going to dinner and hmm. and shout out to producer riley who was able to you know plan all that for us which was great um and it was just so good so chill i loved it nice. if i want to take a nap 
I took a nap. The one thing I did not do was go to the beach. Because the beach is terrible. I agree. It's full of sand, and I become yes. Anakin Skywalker whenever sand is involved. Or Sunny and Bunch. Also, yes. <laughs> or and also also like the ocean, super dangerous place. Yeah. Like things live in the ocean. Yes. The things that don't like you. And I'm pretty sure like God I does mean, not want us to do a two things. The water, yeah. the ocean is like a sign of chaos in the Bible. Yes. God does not want us to go to space. He never meant for us to go to space. Going to space is a sin, and going into the ocean is a sin as well. These Amen. are not places for humans. Amen. Right? Yes. That's why God invented chlorine and in-ground pools. Yes. Because you have to splish splash in the water. Oh in my air. gosh. Yes. Absolutely. And you don't have to like schlep back and forth from like if something goes wrong at the beach, you have to like pick up your towel and grab your umbrella and all the beach toys and everything, and you have to walk back to the house and whatever. Oh, disaster. If like you have to, and you know what else people do at the beach? You know, you know where they go to the bathroom when they're at the beach? In they the just water. Go into the water. Yeah, they just, they just walk into the water, just chill there for a while. Gross, terrible. I mean, they Inhumane. do it in pools too. Yes, but that's also wrong. <laughs> You're not supposed to do it in a pool. There's like an unreal that you can do it in the ocean. But it's like it's right? like in the ocean. It's like at least it's going to be much more diluted. Right. Okay. Don't pee in water. <laughs> Don't go into the water and pee. Except That's, for uh, the water in your toilet. Right. You can pee into water. <laughs> this is so gross. Um, but, like, if you are submerged in water, no peeing. It's not allowed. It's illegal. It's it's terrible. Okay. Um, also, for some reason, every time uh, Rally Sharapa goes into the ocean, something bad happens to her. I think last year she got stung by a, um, a jellyfish. This year she, like, fell and, like, scraped her knee up pretty good. It just further proves that pregnant. God does. Yes. God does not want us in the ocean. Amen. That's why he put sharks there and jellyfish. I had lunch with a bunch of young adults on Sunday after mass because yeah. I had like one of those rare Sundays where I didn't actually have anything planned after mass, which was like mm. really delightful. And I wish I had more of those sometimes because not that, you know, it's just like it's nice to actually make Sunday Sunday. Um, Absolutely. But anyways, um, they said like I, I, my hot takes about how horrible beaches are came up. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they said, well, then how do you like stay cool on a hot day? I'm like, my heat pump in my house. Yeah. Like, duh. Duh. And and it's like, it's cold enough that I can even put a hoodie on in there. It's great. Delightful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And you know what? I was able to get as much sun as I wanted because I can just walk out to our little pool and just yep. chill there. I did. And it was great. Yeah. Why, is, why go to the beach? This is the way. This Absolutely. is the way. Ugh. Um and ah, do what no 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 transition i was about to do a really lame one so i'm like no we're just gonna go to the summa again summa tweetologica summa tweetologica summa tweetologica Shame on you for rejecting the lame transition. That's the hallmark really of our podcast. It was really lame. It was pretty lame. I was like, what was I it going to be? What was it going to be? Something about like birds pooping on beaches and then. Oh, yeah. No, and, no. You know, I'm glad you skipped that. Good. No. Yes. But not. Oh, Twitter, knows. seagulls. You're going to do something like that? Oh, know. well. It's, I, I didn't <laughs> give it a thought beforehand. So. All right. Uh, so my tweet for this week, we're just doing one again, uh, is from mm -hmm. Darren. Perizzolo. So uh, it's a good Italian mm. last name good for Italian for last name. there. Uh, he's quote tweeting a guy who was like, this is going around Twitter about a guy who's like at Catholic mass and how boring it was and why no one under 40 attends church and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And it just needs to be more like philosophical talk. Like, come, to my parish, come to my parish, buddy. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so and it made the rounds on Twitter, but he says this, and I, because there's a couple of points in his tweet that I think are worth discussing mm -hmm. uh, to all the people saying that a better priest can make mass more interesting. No, that is the exact thing that shouldn't be happening. The priest personality shouldn't factor in it at all. Laity need to know what mass is. Then it becomes the most exciting thing we can attend. 
and I generally agree with this. Again, I think I may have mentioned this our last time, our last one of our last episodes about like mm-hmm. the personality cult around priests and stuff like this. Yeah. And I do think it's not good in general. Um, <laughs> yes, it's again, definitely not good. My my hope for my parish is that I become relatively obsolete in the sense, not in the sense of like doing things, but in the sense of like my personality does not drive a parish. It shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it helps. It has a place and a role. Sure. But safety with the mask. Again, like I do think that part of the whole problem, my hot take again has always been that, you know, facing the people has never been a good thing. Because that it, is correct. I, because it's created this performative sense. Oh, Father, you look so tired when you're saying the Eucharistic prayer. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> well, Don't because me. it's it's Father's cooking show. That's what it becomes when you face the people. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Consecrated. Yep. You know, like, like, what's his name? That guy, that old cooking guy there. Um, yes, the old cooking guy there. That had a TV show. Um, he did, didn't he? Anyways, I, I he's he's right. Like, and he's, it's just, I think there's a few things here. Um it is weird if you go to mass and you're not familiar with it or it's been a long time. You don't really know what it's, what it's all about. So, yeah, it can be lame that way. Kind of actually would agree there. And it's not in the sense that the mass is actually lame, but you just don't know what's, what it's all about. Secondly, though, mm-hmm. um, if we beautify liturgy, if we give to our best of our ability decent preaching and mm-hmm. um, you know a decent community that shows that the mass actually does bring life and show reverence and try to show something that what we happens here is really quite, quite different. And we really believe what happens here is matters. It's really important. And I do agree. I think he actually is right about like, I think, I mean, we got a lot of work to do in formation. Sure. In our parishes, like a lot, because there mm-hmm. is like, even myself, like I preached at on Corpus Christi, but how to receive communion. That was part yeah. of like, that was a, how I ended my homily. And I talked about for receiving on a hand, like this is the good way. Like you put your, one hand over the other. Uh, you know, if you do one hand, unless you have a cane or something, it looks like you're asking for a handout. And that's not what the Eucharist is. We want to sh- <laughs> we want to do something to show that what we're receiving is different. Yeah. Right? There's no actual rule on this, but I do think it's important for our own personal formation about the Eucharist. Is. I still have people still, after clearly stating this, like even that day, putting yeah. out one hand or doing the – the lobster pincher or lobster pincher. Others, you know, <laughs> oh, no, no the, I don't like or, that one at all. Or mm-hmm. reaching around the tongue with the mail slot and almost like biting off my, my fingers or something like mm-hmm, this, you know, mm-hmm. it's like no matter what you try to do, it's like, it doesn't get across and you, you can't, you can't do much about it. But I think there is a point there. Like we do also really need to educate what the mass actually is. Does knowledge, will knowledge always bring about what it is, uh, bring about a deeper devotion? Not always. Um, but, I do think it is a big area of lack because if we actually understood what the mass is, I think there'd actually be less of fights about liturgy in general <laughs> hmm. and more commonality. Cause we like, we're, we're talking about the God, of the universe coming down. So I just thought his, his tweet was interesting. And I just think that, yes, we shouldn't be the center of the show because Jesus is right. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw out some disagreements with you, father Harrison on this one. Uh, first of all, first of all, um, the idea that the priest's personality needs to be utterly destroyed in liturgy, I think, is wrong. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. taking that extreme, um, I think if a priest purposely tries to be a robot in the liturgy, that's also an act of the ego there. Um, it's, right. it's striking right. this. Yes, yes. Because you're trying to, like, you're, you're making the Mass about yourself in a negative way in that sense, right? So if you're trying to come across as a robot or not yourself, that's just a, you a failure You should not your personality app. Uh, yeah right because like your humanity matters like right exactly because god uses i mean this is sacramentality like the yes. the, the priest in the sense his personality is a sacrament at the mass a uh, yes. little less sacrament right so yes, yes uh father anthony is going to say mass uh it's going to be a different vibe than father harrison than father joe than father andrew right and and that's okay um, right the error and what you rightfully point out is like when it becomes the father anthony show yeah. right when it's my personality driving the liturgy instead of me being used as an instrument in the liturgy. Right. And that can be, that can take some time to figure out as a priest, I think. Yes. Um, For example, all of us uh, kind of fall into, this is the thing that happens, especially early on in priesthood, but it can happen throughout your priesthood, is that you go into priest voice during liturgy and every priest has a different priest voice. Um, There's one priest in my diocese who will go unnamed who, totally yinzer but whenever he says uh the liturgy all of a sudden he becomes like british and it's like what what happened there <laughs> is yeah. in persona christi make you british a priest in my who has a unique priest voice and you're just like 
what <laughs> what is happening who 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 is this um so i think it, you know it, you're definitely going to speak in a different way because you speak differently when you're giving a speech or when you're talking with friends or when you're talking with family that's normal but uh it's taken me some work to at least try to like speak as myself in a sense you know um right. that, that takes some work to like temper the priest's voice as much as you can right yeah um you're gonna talk a little bit differently because it's a different you know scenario but working on that um, so I think there needs to be a balance and that, that takes a while, I think to find. And if you're not, um, if you're not examining yourself and paying attention to that, you can go through your whole priesthood, not realizing mm-hmm. how you say mass. And it's tough because also like, um, it's not helpful. So some might say that the solution to this is having people critique the way you say mass. Right. But I would never want to put that burden on parishioners. Because then they become consumers of the liturgy and not participants in the liturgy, right? If we're evaluating the priests, evaluating the homily, evaluating the liturgy, we become consumers of the liturgy instead of entering into it. Okay. Um, and and uh, the second part is um, it's okay that mass is boring. Mass is boring sometimes. Yeah. Like you can have you could have beautiful music. Yeah. Great preaching, but also it's something that we do all the time. Um, and there's mass is allowed to be ordinary. And sometimes ordinary is kind of boring in a sense. Yeah. Um, sometimes hanging out with the person you love is is kind of boring. You still want to yeah. be with that person. Yeah. But it, so I, I just, you know, this I sometimes there's this idea the the save the liturgy save the world thing where it, it gets cranked up to a a weird place. Yeah. Um, where it's like if liturgy is how I envision it, then everyone will love it, and that's just right. not going to happen. Right. Like sometimes you're at mass. And uh, you have a toddler, and they're being toddlers, and you you can't you can't enter. Pr- it doesn't matter how many scolas and polyphony and in organ music and great preaching, like you're gonna miss all of that because you're you're in the mess of humanity in there, you know. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, m- there's this idea that like we we equate the mass with the Protestant service, right. and we think that they're supposed to do the same thing, but they do yes. very different things. You know. Yes. This is a liturgy not a service or this is a liturgy not a talk this is a it's a different sort of thing Um, right and then sometimes like the 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 work of the family is going to be boring to outsiders because of course it is yeah of course like this is why like you know maybe bringing someone to mass for the first time as your way of evangelizing is probably not the right move we actually do need to be more inventive about creating other spaces to bring people in first but um and it's liturgy so liturgy means that it has to be uniform because mm-hmm. it's not my work. It's, it's actually not about the individual. It's about right. the we of the church, if you will. Not in like the 60s fluffy sense, but in the <laughs> no fluff. Ratzinger creedal sense almost. Like it's <laughs> like, uh, um, because it's about actually putting ourselves into the unique eye of Jesus, like his quote unquote eye, like not his eyes, but like uh, the letter I. Um, yes. Uh, and so liturgy thus becomes a place where my, even my own self in the pews puts mm-hmm. myself to the side a bit to be a participant with Christ in this worship of the father through the power of the Holy spirit. Right. It's, it's uh, and so it is, that is boring at times because I'm not doing this only for my sake. I'm also doing it this way for the sake of everyone else around me, uh, yeah. for the sake of those who aren't near me, for my loved ones who aren't going to church to intercede for them, everything. Yeah. Like this is the, to offer, to cooperate in this offering for all the goods of the church in the world. And so sometimes, like, that's boring. And that's okay because... Because it's not about you. And stuff that's not, not about, about us sometimes strikes us as boring. And <laughs> we have this weird sense that life can never actually be boring. And I think this is dangerous because yeah. it is boring sometimes. And that's okay. Maybe a better word is mundane. You yeah, know, mundane. Or, yeah, or that's just, a better word. Yes, it's mundane. Yeah. It's just, it just yeah. kind of... And, like, this is the beauty of the mess. Yeah, sometimes you are going through the motions. So what? Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, there are some times when I'm saying mess, I'm kind of going through the motions. That's just the way it is. It's okay. It's all okay. This is like God working with our humanity. I think we put too much pressure on the liturgy. That it has to be everything. And, right. and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's it's you know the Eucharist is a source summon of our faith. This is us entering to Christ's worship of the Father. It is where heaven meets earth. All that's absolutely true. And you know, uh, at my parish, we we try really hard to have good music. Um, all our altar servers, uh, for the most part, are almost um, militaristic in their precision, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, we do the incense, all that stuff, and like you should do everything you can to make the to make the liturgy kind of reflect what it is. Like mm-hmm. that goes without saying for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yep. oh. there is such yeah. a almost an overemphasis on the liturgy where it has to be. I don't, I don't know what how to put it, but like mass is this focal point. It's this crucial point. Um, well, it kind of is. It is. But I want to try to say, um, a lot of times we think that if we just get the liturgy right, then everything, then everything will, will be out. okay. And no. that's just not true. No. And also, um, we're never going to get the liturgy right. No. Um, um, one of my favorite... Oh, one more thing. I was going to say... Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yes, one more thing. So, like, my uh, spiritual director, uh, formator, I may have said this before, but uh, he said, do you know why we have Mass every day and why we have Mass every Sunday? Is because maybe one day somewhere in the church will get it right, but probably not. So we keep trying, right? And that's kind of tongue in cheek, but there's something to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so going to say yeah. that. I think the only way that getting liturgy right, if you will, going to work, yeah. is if it actually if it starts to have the effect of bringing life to the parishioners, mm-hmm. whereby that they be actually become what the church is meant to be—a sacrament of salvation, a sign to the world. That Christ is real, alive, active, and transforming us. And so, in that regard, we do like that—that that is the responsibility. But that means, um, like that's so. But there's other things we need to do to help make the liturgy do that. Which means we need to build sure. strong community with each other, so that we're actually mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing our friends in the pews, yeah. or to meeting new people, or whatever it might be. Um, that these are all important things. So that the liturgy, if for liturgy to be good, it requires other things outside the liturgy. To make it happen mm-hmm. yeah cool that was a lot longer than i expected uh so we're going to go into some presbyteral exhortations here and now it is time for presbyteral exhortations oh yes, yes. quite good quite good indubitably <laughs> i bet they can't wait to learn, They're gonna learn so <laughs> it's my favorite part it's the best part <laughs> Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. Uh, it's going to be a shorter one because that one took longer, anyways. And I, 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 I was struggling with like topic again this week, and it, but like the struggle's going to be the topic. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we'll see where it goes. I'm like, okay, I'll start with this, and we'll see where it goes. So, like, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've been like really struggling with studying and reading in general, and I've mm-hmm. been noticing old habits reemerging, especially like around watching television. Now, mm. I don't have cable. I refuse to have cable because most television sucks. And yeah. I care less about watching most of it. But, like, I have a bunch of shows that I bought on, like, Apple TV over the years that I just love to watch. And I kind of just put them on rotate, right? And, right, and name, I mean, you got, you, you got to name the shows. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's too many to name. Um, not too many, me but three. I mean, there's, there's enough, you know? Um, um, Arrested Development is probably the number one. And okay, I do yeah. love 30 Rock. Every time mm-hmm. I watch it, I become more and more amazed at its brilliance. <laughs> it is such a tightly packed show in so many ways. Yeah, um, dramas are harder to rewatch, mm-hmm. but I do really want to get back. I do really want to rewatch um, Breaking Bad again soon. Producer Nick watches that like once a year. Yeah, Breaking Bad's pretty amazing. Um, and like, because that was like before my conversion. That was my life. Like mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. I never. I every year at the end of my school year in the university, I would go sell all my textbooks back to get whatever money back I could, um, yeah. because I didn't keep books. Why would you keep books? You can just watch TV and movies all the time. And that was my <laughs> life, right? Oh, look what Grace has done to your life. That's amazing. I, I mean, it's kind of amazing, <laughs> isn't it? And I've been noticing, but yeah. So like, I know part of it was that I kind of not burnt out, but just I hit the wall. Uh, after yeah. my submission of my CRE. And I knew that was coming. I hit the wall in many ways. And it, it and I kind of came out of it after about a month. Um, but it's but it's been getting frustrating for me because reading is what informs preaching for me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's been harder to get homilies ready because I'm not engaging myself intellectually and spiritually with reading enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I've been finding it harder to pray lately too just because my attention stuff like i've just been finding it very hard even to focus in on my brewery i mean yeah. i tweeted about this the other day about like adhd and prayer and that's not 
ADHD is not my point, but uh, just like how I'm actually really grateful for stuff like the mask because it's, I can't be distracted easily. Yeah. I have to just focus on what's in front of me and that's all mm-hmm. I can do. And I'm actually very grateful for that. Like that's a great yeah. gift to me. Um, and I've been noticing, yeah, I've been like watching a bit more TV than I am used to liking to do. And what we're, I would usually enjoy just sitting down with a book. And I think part of, I do think part of it is like just doing PhD studies. You don't really, ha- I don't really have time to read stuff outside what I want to read at uh, what uh-huh. I have to read. And so it, it gets into this mundane thing we were talking about earlier and doing the mundane can get burdensome at times. Um, and so I've been like getting back to watching TV more. I haven't quite liked that. I haven't liked the fact that I have not been like when I try to read, it's just not sticking. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this has got to stop at some point, please. I know part of it's just like, I've actually been enjoying a lot of the day-to-day tasks in the parish. So like, that's just what gets most of my work. And my brain hasn't turned off per se. It's just inputting intellectual content. I think part of it is, I do think part of it is, Game more focus on pastoral stuff late in the last year, especially, has helped me see how stupid a lot of intellectual debates are. Sure. <laughs> like, who cares about Hegel's impact on, you know, logical positivism in this obscure thinker? That's not going to impact most people. <laughs> yeah. So, so it just further proof that being a Dominican is an utter waste, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, why would you ever do that? Wow, just be a parish grown. priest and do some real work, Dominicans. Exactly. When's the I'm last not... time you gave up? Sorry. <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah, joking. Yeah. No, no. But it's like, I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't have a place or an importance, but I realized like for most people, a lot of these arguments, like, like, like the debate, like I've been reading a lot around the question of salvation history in my in mm-hmm. biblical s- debates in the last 20 in the 20th century there it has a place and has a point and i've seen its impact in different ways like it does have impacts right like so the idea of salvation history has impacted catholic theology and even catholic catechesis like a lot of yeah. bible studies kind of presume this idea of salvation history that god works through the events of history to, to redeem us yeah. there's a lot to why that's an important thing and that doesn't matter right now but um so i mean it does have its impacts it does take it just takes its time to trickle down a bit um but like the really obscure debates don't really, I've never really interested me anyways. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. like, and I, and I do have to kind of get into that with my PhD stuff. So I think part of it's just, it is a bit of a tiresomeness around the banality of some really, uh, of some questions and debates that happen in theology that I could care less about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have no interest in dealing with because they actually don't impact my pastoral life or my intellectual life really in the end. So... I've been trying to live in that kind of tension of all of this and I'm not sure what to do about it. I'm not asking necessarily for tips. This is not father Harrison counseling spiritual direction session, but interestingly, I guess in all of it is it does get me reflecting because I've noticed these, it is funny first how old habits never really die. Mm, they lie. They wait. Like when dormant. I get sick, the first thing I do is I just lay down on my bed and watch TV. Mm-hmm. That is, I've done that since I was a kid, right? It is exactly, they lay dormant. So that's always interesting. But it's also got me reflecting about this idea of um, remembering like what it was like before I was a Christian or a mm. practicing Christian. Yeah. Right? Because some of these habits are the things that I did before I was a Christian or practicing, again, a practicing Christian, I should say. Um, and, um, it's been a helpful thing because it's like, you know, like I mentioned in our last episode, my frustrations around baptisms and stuff. And I'm trying to remember myself like that used to be you. <laughs> yeah. That used to be you. Um, and I think we need to be better about remembering this as mm. Christians. Because in some ways, it's actually the acknowledgement that I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll stop. I mean, I have places to go with this, but I've talked long enough already, so... I don't know if you yeah, have thoughts on any of this. Uh, I mean, it's got it's, yeah. it's a it's a long prologue to lead to a point, but okay, yeah. So, um, a few things. One thing that stuck in my brain is I'm not sure if this is a similar problem that you have. That like, okay, let's say that you're reading books for your your PhD, but you don't want to do that, so you read a different book to relax. But then you think to yourself, well, I should be reading another. I should be doing. I should be reading in a productive way 
for my right. PhD. The only, so I feel if I'm going to read, I have to read in my free time. Right. So instead of like going through that whole conundrum, just watch TV. Right. So that's yeah. something a weird like. Uh, which is acedia, which is my big sin. So yes. <laughs> so I I go through that like I should be, um, like oh if I'm reading a book it should be a spiritual book but I don't want to. Uh, and I'll feel guilty if I read a book for fun, so I'll just play video games instead. It's a right. weird thing that our brains do. They're like, you know, no, you can just you know read for fun. Anyway, um, but uh, as far as habits like that, a few things. One thing that I struggle with is that um, I know I will notice that a few things are slipping in my life, whether yeah. it's like some sort of discipline or a little bit of the prayer life, or I'm kind of like just rushing through the breviary and. Instead of addressing that right away, very often I'm like, well, most of the things in my life are going well, which is this one thing that's slipping a little bit. And that leads to a domino effect where I turn into a slug person. Right. Um, it's just like this, um, whenever I don't address something that's going amiss in my life right away and put it off until later, a few weeks pass by and all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm miserable. And that's right. a, a, a thing to like... Um, watch out for it's, it's almost more dangerous when most things are going okay right in a spiritual life i think yeah because it's interesting like i not i'm not a lazy person i've never yeah. been like a lazy person but acedias does not mean laziness and i know that too obviously um but it's like it has been like yeah it's i i feel like i've become a bit of a slug person both intellectually even a little bit spiritually honestly like not sure not yeah, completely, yeah obviously but just but like I still show up every morning. I just and like and part of it sometimes it's like I forget. I'm like check, like it is part of it's the phone sometimes, and I just like, mm -hmm. I hate this thing so much sometimes. Um, but and I know part of it's been I think I've actually appreciated slowing down a bit. We've been trying to keep my appointments more manageable every day instead of doing twenty appointments in a week, which is mm -hmm. literally crazy. Um, yeah, we're trying to do Stupid. five to ten. There um, you go. And so it does actually free up some time to relax, but then. I had the free time. I don't know what to do with it. Like, so like, the part of it is I, it's a whole other thing is I suck at hobbies because I get obsessive about them. And if this is why I don't have a gaming machine, because if I had yeah. one, I'd probably play it too much. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want that. I don't think that's good, but I don't know how to work on that or balance that out. Um, but at the same time, like I've actually been weirdly grateful for it all because mm -hmm. again, it's kind of been reminding me of those little moments of like, yeah, I used to be, you used to be a pagan. <laughs> Um, right, and and these frustrations you might have—they're legitimate. You're right to think that it's weird that they're going to promise to raise their kid in the practice of the faith and then don't practice the faith, or whatever else it might be. Um, but also remember that used to be you. Uh huh. And I think that's—I I think that's my even my frustration. Like there is actually a weird connecting point to all of this, really, truly, because. Uh, and actually, even someone, even someone said on Twitter the other day when I was talking about when I was talking about the point, what I was going to talk about the podcast. I said, you know, talk more about this like increasing our desire thing, which is kind of at the heart of it on both ends. Um, where I recognize this need for God in me, I also recognize how often and easily I snuff it out mm -hmm. on my own. And I want to know how to stop snuffing it out on my own. I want to know how to just awaken it in others. Because that's the thing. That's the problem. That's the, that is the, that's the stopping point for most people. They don't actually desire God. And it's not their fault. Really, I think, generally. I'm not saying that everyone who comes to me doesn't desire God. But it's like, and it's not, it, you know, there's a spectrum on the whole thing. Sure, but um, you know, if you're, if you're coming to get your kid baptized, you're not going to church. Like, how much do you actually desire God? Like, there was one meeting. I was like, this person doesn't desire God at all. Like, I could just—it wasn't a judgment. It was like just based on stuff that they were talking about. I was like, yeah, myself. like I was like, it was the one time I was like, can I actually baptize this kid? Mm. Which is like, that's a hard thing to say. I did baptize because I'm not going to punish the kid in the end. But um, um. And I find that it's hard to communicate this need for desire. So like, this is like, this is the threefold problem around it all. My spiritual director said, and remember, and he's right. 
you also have to fast for this and do penance for this because some demons can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Mm. And he's right. But, you know, like, I want to preach this ability. Like, we're, we're dead. Our hearts are dead to God. And my heart's, and like, part of that's acknowledging in my own life sometimes that my heart's dead to God because that's what it means to be a sinner. <laughs> like, and I, I have to be okay in acknowledging that so that I can actually work on it. But, it's this weird sense of I want to awaken this more and I feel like every word I speak on it is insufficient to the reality I'm trying to open everyone's hearts to including my own okay so I, I think you, you, I mean it sounds like you're talking about two things but they're very kind of closely yes related yes um, one is this like or maybe they're both there's this awareness of this constant battle between our old self and our new self yes between who god has made us through our baptism yes and who we are without god and that's the, the dormant habits that's like you know it, it, it's funny because christianity when when you live it out actually changes everything about you yes um like you know it, the story about the fact that you would sell back your old books when you were in college like that's amazing you are a new man because of Christ, right? right. Um, and it's not that like it destroys our personality, but it it, it, it elevates us through right. through grace to yes. become who God desires us to be, right? Um, but like that's and that's the that's the spiritual battle. That's what Saint Paul talks about all the time. That's why he's yelling at the Corinthians all the time um, because they keep slipping back into their old selves. That's never completely cast out until the resurrection or. Um, I think in the saints, it's mostly cast out, but I mean, they're still there. It's something you have to constantly watch out for. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that. Um, and there can be this thing in the spiritual life where when you've lived it long enough, um, you be, you can easily become comfortable with mediocrity because you're not yeah. your old self. Right. But you're not really living the new life as a child of God either. Right. And... A lot of pain in the spiritual life comes from living in that middle place. Mm -hmm. um, like that's the biggest struggle for me mm -hmm. um, is living in that middle place where you're half in, half out, and you're being torn both ways. Right. right. And the 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 remedy to that is that increase of desire for God. Or I, right. I, I you know I usually frame it in my own spiritual life as a purification of my desire as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like give me your desires, um, make my heart actually want this. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's that internal struggle with us but then as priests like what do you want more than anything else you want people to desire god right um when i went to i, I heard a bunch of uh, confessions and uh, did mass and holy hour for our teens they were up at this camp and it was so life-giving because these young people they had that desire like the questions they were asking me of like how do i listen to god or like there's this part of my life that that doesn't fit with the rest of my life anymore. And it's like, it was so encouraging. Um, and it's funny because they're struggling. They're in the middle of the struggle, but I loved right. it because they are actually struggling, right? They they have this desire yeah, and they're the fighting thing. against yeah. their old self, right? And like, so like they're worried about themselves, but I'm not worried about them at all. Cause like, no, cause you have the desire. You just have to keep mm -hmm. going and here's some advice and here's some direction and blah, blah, blah. But like, you've got the thing. If you have the thing, then everything else is going to kind of, fall into place right. um right so it's it's the increase in the desire for god um that pulls us into mm -hmm. that new creation right um those are my those are thoughts yeah and i think but this is and i think maybe this is like the big question right it's mm. hot like and it's maybe it's too pragmatic which is a weird thing because this is a weird thing how do you do ask. the thing how do you do the thing how do you increase your yeah. desire and i think because uh, like I do recognize like in my own self that this desire is a grace because mm -hmm. my old life like this is the thing it actually is all connected I had to kind of work it out a bit because I knew it was there and that's the way my brain works sometimes <laughs> I see the yeah. connection I have a hard time expressing it because again like mm -hmm. I know in my own life if you ever like why how is he getting there why is he doing this is because the reality is just so much more real than any word can get around it and so mm -hmm. it's hard to be satisfied with the words you say i guess sure sure sure. but um my conversion experience is what awakened that desire for god mm -hmm. and before that i'd never had that desire i mean we have it by virtue of our being a creature but it was but kind of dead it's mutated it's yeah yeah and so um 
I want that for everyone. And I want that for me, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense of, I don't want to lose, you know, I think it's uh, what St. Paul says, like, what is it? Like, rekindle the zeal of your youth or something like that, right? Or remember that, you know, it's like, and I think that's always an important, I'm not saying I'm not zealous, right? I'd have, like, when I preach, I get very excited about the faith and I love that. And that's the thing, like, and that's the thing, like, the lack of interest in the intellectual stuff to me seems like a lack of desire for God because that's Mm. actually been such a, that has been such a clear charismatic gift given to me through my conversion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's what scares me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right? That scares it's, me. I don't like that. I'm like, I'm trying, mm-hmm. I'm trying. It's not sticking. Um, because I worry that it's going to have a domino effect on my preaching, on my zeal, mm-hmm, zealousness mm-hmm, for my mm-hmm. priesthood. And I don't want to become an average priest. I, yes. I would, that would kill me. <laughs> I think I, I feel that I feel that. Yes. So <laughs> it, it's, it's a it's a working out a problem on both like myself and on behalf of my people because I want everyone to have this because I also think it's also at the essence of like evangelization. We're scared to evangelize because we we actually don't know what the problem is because we don't know the problem in ourselves that Christ comes to address that without God we are dead. Yes, um, and you can't kindle the desire for God in others if it's not a flame in yourself. Exactly. Um. I, oh my gosh! I don't know if there's an answer. Um, okay, there is one. There's one okay. for sure. There's one f- like pretty tried and true in my life is that you become an utter miserable slug person, right? And what stirs your desire for God is your hatred for where you're at. Yeah, it's not the healthiest thing. I don't think it's what God desires, but right. He allows it to happen sometimes. Yeah. Where like you hit rock bottom, and you're like, what the heck? This is this is. Uh, actually, I was talking to my, my my small group about this because someone pointed this out to me about myself, is that um, uh, a lot of times I have to hit rock bottom before I get back to myself. And that's not healthy or good. Um, I think maturity in the spiritual life is realizing when you're slipping and then stirring up the desire. And I think, I think you know, some of that is just good old-fashioned Catholic discipline yeah. Um, this is why this is why monks have rules of life. Yeah. This is why communion life is so good. Like, because you're you're going into the chapel. And this is my thing. I think I think part of it is is yeah. I think if I had community around me, this wouldn't like in terms of like lived community. I think this would not be as much of a problem. Yeah. Freedom over your. I mean, even though we're busy, we still yeah. have freedom over our schedule, and as much as yeah. we create it. Yeah. And I think this is a struggle for for lay people as well. Um, is that there isn't a quote unquote rule of life that right. that keeps you on Which track. We talked about a few weeks ago. Right. Which is, you know, not a not a foolproof thing, but it is a failsafe of sorts. Right. Um, and so, like, you know. And there was um, something, though, about doing that together. Like, think mm-hmm. about how life-giving the bravery was in seminary and how hard it is sometimes when you just pray it yes. on your own. Yeah. I love or, that. you know, yeah. Or, like, you know, if I don't, if I have a few days without a lot of ministry with people, um, it's much more easy for me to fall away in my spiritual life. Right. Um, it's like when I encountered those teens, my next few days were, like, awesome because i was excited i was praying i was focusing because they had inspired they had stirred up in me that desire again mm-hmm. so i think yeah i think part of the answer is other people community well, and i think big part of it i mean i think i talk about this in mysterion a bit like how the church mediates this stuff to each other like we need to mm-hmm. mediate this desire to each other and so like if you're feeling a little lackluster maybe you're around prisoners who aren't, aren't are you know full on and right. you, you're like all oh, right i need that thank you i want that like that's a, yes. that's the thing it's to say i want that because that's the that's mm-hmm. desire, but yes. wanting. This is all Gerard here, so Matthew uh, <laughs> Tan's gonna be very happy. He's like more Gerard. Uh, wanting is mediated. I can mm. only want something when I see someone else who has it. <laughs> this explains my niece very much. Yes. <laughs> if, if she's around another kid of similar age, and there's one like baby baby to play with, um, yeah. They're gonna go to war over it, <laughs> <laughs> over the toy that she was yeah, not interested that's, in. That's mimetic desire, yeah. right? But like, this is the beauty of. But this is what it means to be human. Like m- desire is not mediate. I mean, that's what advertising tries to do. It tries to mediate, saying you want this, you need this, yeah, because this will bring you happiness and joy and and fulfillment. Um, and we actually suck at this as human beings in the church. I think, and I think this is something we need to be better about because I think. 
like it is interesting to me that a lot of people tell me that sometimes they might not always understand everything I'm getting at in a homily because I can get high sometimes. I try not to, but I, I know it can get a little deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they say that doesn't matter because your enthusiasm is so infectious that you just help me love Jesus more. Yeah. And like, that's a good thing. And I want that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that enthusiasm comes from like the, 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 the desire for truth and the desire and mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the urgency for it all. So actually, I think you're helping me come to the answer at all, which is that we need immediate desire. But this is why actually living community as priests is important because there it is. There's yeah, your, we just there's we did mediation. it. We just helped each other out. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, yes. Actually, that's perfect. This podcast <laughs> has become a perfect example of why this is important and good and beautiful. Like I actually like okay, if I have time this afternoon, I actually want to read a book. Yeah, that's a good thing, and I yes. appreciate that, right? But this is what we need to do more for each other as a church: mm-hmm. is mediate desire, mediate the wanting for God. And that that's how you start evangelizing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, this is all helpful. This actually did become a little bit of live spiritual direction, which I do appreciate. But uh, <laughs> but you're I overselling also, it. But it was good. <laughs> but it was no. It, it also helped me process this because it's been sticking in my head, and I haven't had it. And that's the thing. I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it because mm-hmm. I haven't had time or anything. Right. And so we need this as human beings. Yep. Speaking well, of there's time, a whole other thing about like how. Yeah, books and audiobooks and podcasts can can help with this in a way, right? Because when I'm feeling down or don't want to pray, the first thing I do is turn on um, Romano Gordini's The Lord and start yep. listening to that, and then it yep. kind of stirs up stuff. Anyway, that's yep. I think that's another thing about how yeah technology yep. can help with this in a way. But anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. we should get going. Yes, I am hungry and tired. So Good, not tired. Good, but good I'm podcast. Hungry. Yes. Um, I desire a sandwich. Um, hey, thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me trying to stir up desire for the Lord by um, community and things. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison, stirring up desire there. Hopefully. There you go. Hopefully, um, contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Also, um, this is just a thought I'm throwing out there. Is it time to have Clerical Pod on another platform? Are we going to go down with the ship on Twitter? I don't know. Send Who us uh, an email if you think we, Nick should, Bruce and Nick should go on. Um, Threads or whatever. Issues too. No, okay. Eh, forget about that. But you know what you can always do? If you have a theological emergency, you can call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.